Hello everybody and welcome to this holiday special. I am Giovanna, one of the two co-hosts of this podcast series and I'm here today with two special guests, Hannah Greenstreet and Charlotte Vickers, whom I'll introduce properly in a second. Today we'll be discussing the Andromeda, a new queer version of Euripides' fragmentary play, which will run at the Camden People's Theatre very soon, from the 27th to the 31st of July. And some of our listeners may be familiar with the project, as a rehearsed reading of the play was hosted here at the APG Adison years ago in 2019. So we're all very excited to be able to talk to you about your work now, some weeks in advance of the production. Hannah Grinstry is playwright, theatre and academic. She has recently submitted a PhD on contemporary feminist theatre here in Oxford. As a playwright, she has developed her writing with Spread the Word, Oval House Adult Company, Soho Writers Lab, the North Walls Theatre Craft Residency and Ministry Theatre Company. Charlotte Vickers is theatre director. She has worked with the Nottingham Playhouse, the North Wall Arts Centre, the Oxford Playhouse and Theatre Fibre 3. She trained at the Young Vic on the North Wall Catholics programme and with Lisa Cagnacci. She was also the drama officer of Oxford University Drama Society from 2017 to 2018. So I would probably start with a very basic question. How did the project come about? And could you talk us through the development of your creative partnership and also why Andromeda? Yeah. Do you want me to start this off, Hannah? As yeah, I, please, you started as I rocked up in Hannah's inbox one, one day, was like, oh, we've got some mutual friends and someone said you'd be a good fit for this weird project I want to do. Um, I I came across Andromeda while studying actually um, across the fragmentary play. It was so it was 20, 2018. No, it wasn't. It was 2017, um, which was around the time that there were a lot of um queer plays being put on. Um, I think it was to do with the end of section 28. I think it was that anniversary in 2018. Um, so there were a lot of queer plays being put on, but a lot of them were kind of just about the cis male experience. Um, so kind of was getting a little frustrated at that and had also come across this, um, this fragmentary play and was kind of thinking, I, I'd spent a lot of time at uni thinking about the fragment and thinking about, I guess, the queer possibility behind that. I mean, you kind of start with Sappho and then sometimes you do a bit more thought about it, or at least that's what I did, a tiny bit more thought around it. Um, but anyway, found this fragmentary play and was like, it would be really interesting to kind of fill in the gaps around these fragments and make a play from it. And I yeah, sort of rocked up in Hannah's inbox and was like, hey, do you think this sounds fun? <laughs> and I don't know what Hannah thought to that, but we ended up making it. So I guess not too terrible. I remember it slightly differently. I remember you like tweeting saying something like, do I know any queer female writers? Or like, would anyone be interested in, in collaborating on this? And I think I replied to that tweet. And we were at the Edinburgh Fringe. Yeah. So we met in Summerhall, uh, like beer garden for the first time and both had some gin and then started talking about our frustrations with queer representation in theatre mm-hmm. um, and I feel like that is the origin story of Andromeda. I guess it's also worth noting that neither of us are classicists so I always feel like a little bit of a fraud <laughs> being on the APGR 
D podcast. We're both English graduates, but I actually studied, I did my undergrad at Cambridge and we did a tragedy paper. So I've always been quite interested in, in classics and Greek tragedy in particular. Um, so I thought it was a really interesting project to take on. I'd also never written an adaptation before. I'd only written original plays and that came with its own challenges. Um, but yeah, it just seemed like a really interesting project to, to start exploring. And I think from the beginning, because it was fragments, we always knew that we wanted a contemporary storyline as well, that we wanted to interweave the ancient with, with the modern and somehow bridge the two in the very form of the play itself. And form is something I'm really interested in as a playwright and as an academic. So that seemed like a really interesting challenge to take on. I, I think I read somewhere when I first found Andromeda, and I have no idea how accurate this was, but it really stuck with me that this was the kind of the first example we had of a heterosexual love story. And I was like, oh, it'd be fun. It'd be fun to take something that has that reputation and to turn it into something about queer women. I feel like I've told that to people and they said it's not true. <laughs> yeah. Clearly this, like, whatever this article I pulled that from, this person was just completely making it up and now we're just continuing the lie. We should stop. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually really interested in the fragments. Um, um, why all sort of the potential that uh, afforded by fragments in, in theatre? So how have you, if you can speak a little bit about how you've um, interwoven fragmentary ideas into your work and why the fra what or have you started from the idea of having fragments on the stage and then moved uh, to finding a, a play that sort of reflected that or was it, how was the process? How did you come to fragments? Do you want to handle that Charlotte or shall I? <laughs> Uh, I can start and I can bounce it back to you if you want. I'll bounce it back. Sorry, I'm really getting into like terrible rehearsal room jargon again. Um, I mean, Hannah and I did have an evening where we literally like got these, got the translations of the available fragments of um, Euripides' Andromeda and we cut them all out like had printouts we cut them all out and we sort of wiggled them around on a table a bit and I think we really expected that to birth an entire play and we sort of did it and then afterwards we were like huh there's still a lot that needs to be done so that was a fun that was like a fun thing that happened at the beginning I think in terms of how we've actually thought about the fragment on stage um the way that uh Hannah's written this very beautiful story is um i mean we, we talked a lot about relationships and about romantic relationships and the way that um the way that you'll kind of think about the history of a relationship in terms of lots of fragmented memories and hannah's written that into the play so one of the ways that the uh, the way well the way that the contemporary storyline is told is these kind of very short fragmented scenes um from the love story of Andy and Percy um so it's like as we're as we as the creatives working on Andromeda have kind of taken these fragments and filled in the gaps so to the audience watching the play kind of see the fragments of the relationship and and hopefully we'll have some of those gaps filled in but can also kind of imagine more things about the relationship that don't actually take place on the stage yeah, I think there are 
so I agree with what I've all of what Charlotte said, but I think there are also kind of two strands to approaching fragments. And I feel like one is the academic interest in fragments um, that's particularly popular in classics at the moment. And we went to a couple of academic conferences on the fragment. Um, again, felt felt slightly like imposters. We also yeah. worked with um, Martina Astrid Rodder, um, who's our translator who trans did an original, when we realized we could not use the lerb um, for our um, production, Astra did an amazing translation of all of the fragments. So we have an original translation we've been working from. And Astrid came on board as our kind of classical consultant is what we've called them. And it's been really interesting um, we probably didn't take Astrid on quite soon enough in the project because I feel like Charlotte and I approached it from a completely different perspective, actually, as uh, approaching the fragment as practitioners. And then Astrid's come in with their knowledge of what the fragment is in classics or even a kind of philological sense of are we filling in gaps? And actually, that's not really what the play is doing at all. I think it's embracing the fragmentary feel of the play. And that's partly from our first kind of setting out all of these scraps of paper on the table and thinking, this isn't a play. How can we make it a play? And what we didn't want to do was to kind of fill in the gaps too much, but actually to kind of lean in to the fragment, embrace the fragment and embrace the kind of frustrations of the fragment that things don't necessarily resolve or work out in the way that you want to. But instead, we've got contemporary fragments in conversation with these uh, ancient Greek fragments. I also wonder whether it would be helpful for us to summarise the play at some point, rather than... Spoilers. I would, yeah, I was, <laughs> I, was actually, uh, I was actually going to ask if you want to talk a little bit about the storyline and, and maybe, yeah, talk about the characters as well. Yeah. I find yeah. this really hard, so I'm going to let Charlotte start. Oh, God. Should I do, like, a spoiler warning? Can you guys do that? Can you be, like, if you don't want to be spoiled, you must now skip ahead. 45 seconds. I will not summarise it in 45 seconds. Um, yeah. Oh, God. Okay, so the contemporary storyline. I feel like I'm looking to Hannah now. I feel like we do have to do this and kind of explain what's going on in, like, three different ways. Um, but the contemporary storyline is there's these two girls and they meet outside a club, um, which is, you know, the obvious contemporary equivalent of meeting when one of you's been tied to a rock and the other is, like, has just killed a gorgon. Uh, they meet outside a club and they get to know each other and they fall in love and one of them at the start of at the start of the play is kind of very like out and proud lesbian and one of them is like uh hasn't really thought about her sexuality properly and she's kind of exploring that at the beginning and it sort of becomes about uh, the differences in the way that they approach their queer identities and the way that they want to come out or not come out um, to their friends and family and I guess to themselves as well. Do you think that summarises the contemporary bit, Hannah? Yeah, yeah. I, I think this play is really hard to summarise and I don't think that's just me being like a precious writer. I think actually there's something in how we interweave the different storylines that makes it quite resistant to being summarised. Right, yeah, so that's strand one. And 
then we also have the the myth of Andromeda and Perseus so at the very beginning we kind of start in a very like you have Andromeda and Perseus on a stage but then that kind of gets weirder and weirder so we we sort of keep telling that story but get more and more distant from just a kind of hyper realist uh greek drama-esque version of it and then that kind of interacts a lot with the contemporary story so it then becomes these two contemporary characters telling the story of andromeda and perseus and then them sort of moving away from telling that story and starting to question why they should be telling that story as well and their contemporary characters are called Andy and Percy. So they're sort of they're yeah. sort of equivalent to their Greek prototypes, but they're also not the same. And so your central characters are university students. Percy is a classic student. Um, so a question that I had was how how do you envision or navigate the interplay of identities there? So there's, there's Percy's classicism intersect with um, her queerness in any way uh, how does that play out I think that's a really interesting question and it's one I haven't thought about particularly I feel like Rosie Gray our actor who plays Percy may have thoughts on this but I think Percy as a character really found herself in classics and mm -hmm. found her identity through it like it's very important to her there's a whole thing where she says um so she's Greek she's Greek British and she almost feels like the myths are a part of her heritage um so stories and storytelling is is one way she's found her identity and I guess university is just a time when people are are finding themselves and exploring mm -hmm. their own their own sexual identities as well so that's partly why we wanted to set it at university yeah, I feel like I should mention as well that Andy, the other character, is a physicist too. Um, and we definitely have, the whole, uh, Hannah and I definitely had these very sort of romanticised versions of what classics and physics were. We were kind of like, yeah, classics is like mythology and physics is stars, right? That's it. Like we've got it covered there. Um, but it has been interesting kind of. Uh, I think for both of us kind of learning more about those subjects as we've created the characters. Um, yeah, Charlotte went off to interview an astrophysicist and there were yeah. a few funny points in the conversation where she was basically saying, no, your idea of astrophysics is completely romanticized. She was like, yeah, that's what we that's what we tell lay people. And I was like, OK, cool. As a lay person, that's fine. Thank you. I mean, she was very, she was like, she was very lovely, but that was just a couple of questions I had about like, I was like, oh, do you guys think about constellations? And she was like, no. I was like, okay, cool. But we're not going with that because it's very important for our metaphors in the play that we have constellations and they're the thing that sort of combines classics and physics. So right. it's kind of- yeah. Of yeah. course, yeah, because at the because at the end of the Andromeda and Perseus myth, the goddess Athena turns them into constellations. So it's a perfect it's a perfect marriage of the version of physics that lives in my head and the version of classics that lives in my head. I think I think as a as a as someone someone who's hugely interested in translation, I'm I'm really um, curious about how the translation has informed or the translating process has informed 
the writing of the play as well as the envisioning of the play on the stage so the direction of the play as well uh, and I know that Hannah you're writing a chapter with um, Astrid on this process so I'm excited yeah I'm, I'm excited I'm very curious to hear about it yeah and I think actually we decided to have that to structure that chapter as a conversation as a kind of written conversation uh, because form has been so important throughout the process and it's it's just been such a collaboration and I think and in that chapter we talk about our different disciplinary perspectives and approaches so I think Astrid was expecting me to be more faithful maybe to their translation than I actually was and I was more thinking oh we've got this translation we'll take bits from it and then also play with it a bit more because actually commissioning a translation really frees you up to to do things with it so what I was really interested in in Astrid's translation was the kind of archaism of the Greek and the kind of the weird jumps in the scene like there's a moment in the first scene when Perseus rescues uh, Andromeda and then instantly is like will you be my wife and obviously in the original play there would have been more lines in between that but we wanted to lean into that weirdness and just make it really abrupt and jumpy so the first scene takes you into this kind of heightened mythologized world and leans into the archaism of, of the language and then the second scene is set in a queer bar and it's much more contemporary so it's about juxtaposing those two different idioms I guess and also worth noting that we haven't just drawn on Euripides we've drawn on Ovid and kind of just other other retellings of the Andromeda myth and it's partly because we were it's quite hard to make a play from from so few fragments so we were looking for material but it's also enabled us to explore storytelling and the different ways you tell stories and yeah just doing all those different different approaches. I feel like I have very little to say about the translation because sort of Hannah and Astrid went away and did this amazing stuff it, it does make me think a little about about Percy's classicism as well but the way that um, we have moments in the play where where Percy talks about the translation as well and I think there's there's some really interesting stuff uh, that Hannah and Astrid kind of created with with like moments where things can be translated in different ways as well. Uh, and, and I think Hannah really lent into being able to, being able to put that uncertainty in there too and have different lines um, repeated in slightly different ways as well. So you both you both mentioned that, you know, this this but Hannah just now that this has sort of really helped developing uh, storytelling. I wondered uh, whether there's there's any stories or any myths or any images that since your work on Andromeda have kind of struck you and you would like to develop some work on. Uh, is there anything classics related or not classics related that you know maybe you want to work on in the future mm, so oh. much <laughs> you go first uh I'm trying to think but all I can think of actually is um really great versions I've seen other people do of things I I personally love the Oristia. I think that's really cool um I would really uh, I am really fascinated by the the tragedies that are sequels to each other. I think it's really interesting the way that the various classical playwrights like not only would kind of put put these put these myths and these stories down, but then would think about 
okay, so what are the consequences of that 10 years later? Like, what does that mean for the children of these people? And how does this keep, how does this keep feeding back? There's also, oh, I feel like there's so many myths. I love, I think the Iphis and Ianthi myth is really cool, but I'm also kind of like, well, Ali Smith wrote Girl Meets Boy and I love that. And I think that's great. So I'm kind of like, well, that's kind of sorted. I think the that a lot of the metamorphoses, I think, are interesting. But I wonder if that's just because a lot of what we've done in Andromeda is thinking about transformation, that there's there's all of this stuff about like how the characters kind of transform each other and how they change each other. And actually the final scene of the play um, is is really, really beautiful. Like the way that it's the characters kind of um, thinking about that and musing on that and the way that they have changed each other as people. And Hannah's done some really brilliant work there with kind of looking at Ovid and then uh, moving away from it as well. So yeah, I, I don't know. That's such a that's such a nothingy answer. Sorry, I feel like there's loads and loads, and I guess that I that Andromeda has really thrown up a lot of themes that I think I would really like to explore more. But I don't necessarily know exactly which stories it would be that I'd use to explore that. What about you, Hannah? Yeah, I don't know whether it's specific stories, but I I think it's a style of working that I'd like to explore further. I think being able to be present in the rehearsal room before COVID has been like really, really transformative for me as a writer. And part of the reason storytelling is so embedded in the play is from some kind of drama exercises, getting the actors to, to play these stories and tell them in different ways. Um, and I found that a really kind of galvanizing thing in my own writing. And I've also recently um, been doing some work with Pegasus Theatre, which is a, they have a youth theatre and I've been uh, writing a play for their young company but the young company have devised it so I think being able to to be in the rehearsal room and have that collaborative relationship is just so preferable um, to just like sitting on your own in your room as a kind of playwright it's yeah it just makes it a much more dynamic piece of work I think so more storytelling more collaboration for me I think so you just mentioned this now before Covid so you you mentioned Covid and I was wondering how much the Covid situation affected the development of the play development of themes and the direction how much it, it actually influenced the the way that you were going to perform it yeah so it's kind of been on hold for a while during COVID um, and that was partly because we were scheduled for production in May 2020 um, and had a funding application in at the time. All the theatres were closed, everything went into a kind of emergency. So yeah, it's been it's been on hold for a while, but we have then started to pick up, pick up the play again and I don't know, I, I kind of think of it myself as a kind of fallow period and then hoping that it springs again but I think we decided that I didn't want to write a kind of Covid version of the play so I think we've we haven't we haven't gone into rehearsals yet but I think the discussions we had were that it's set in 2019 so it's pre-Covid and they don't Covid doesn't exist in their universe because I think there will be quite a few plays coming up in the next few years which are all about social distancing and isolation and loneliness um, which are obviously important, but also sometimes you just want an, a nice love story, mm. um, a bit of escapism. 
I mean, it's not, it's not all happy, but um, <laughs> a bit of escapism, I think. Charlotte, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, the details, absolutely. We, we, um, so we had a, we, we had a workshop at the beginning of 2019 and then another workshop at the end of 2019. And it felt like we were really picking up pace in a nice way to head towards, head towards going on in 2020 with a lot of momentum and then March 2020 happened and I remember actually Hannah I don't know if you remember this but like maybe a couple of weeks before lockdown we went into Camden People's Theatre to have a meeting with their marketing department and I remember being there and sort of being like hmm I wonder if do you think do you think we should be bothered about nah it's in May come on guys it's in May like it'll it'll it'll, and then and then it got cancelled and yeah we decided um we we decided that we didn't want to try to do a kind of online version of the play because it had been very much written to be in person although now we are streaming it but that feels like it's a version of that's a version of the in-person performance rather than rather than it being entirely online theatre it was interesting we came back together as a company um so myself and Hannah and our dramaturg and yeah we we came back and read it through and this was a version that hadn't really changed very much since the last time we read it and it was really interesting how I, I think the thing about uh like COVID plays is that we will all bring very different things to all of the plays that we see now they don't have to be like like people have changed as individuals we don't have to be just watching that we don't have to be watching a play about social distancing to think about how much things have changed for us all in the last year and I feel like I did kind of I did hear it very differently just having like been through the tumultuous year that was 2020 um and I feel like there's a lot in the play that I maybe appreciate a lot more now or appreciate differently about about things like feeling isolated and there's a lot about the characters feeling like there's a lot about them feeling able to go out and and celebrate their love um and being able to go out and be openly queer and whether or not that feels safe and I think there's definitely something about uh like being able to express yourself and the ways that you build social lives and that kind of thing that still feels like it rings true and I think and I mean yeah I don't think there was ever a version in any of our heads in either of our heads where we were like yeah let's make it a COVID play let's have them like talk about Zoom lectures and stuff because I think it just didn't feel right but I do feel like yeah I do feel like I appreciate I appreciate it differently as kind of as someone reading and thinking about the play but I think also as a director I feel differently about the play now because we we were so close and then we had it taken away and now to have the opportunity to get it put in front of audiences given back to us feels um feels more precious now now that it was like yeah now now that it so nearly didn't happen and then suddenly it's happening again I feel like working in theatre it's been a big year for realizing uh, what you've taken for granted and that the ability to bring people together to see a play is like is a privilege and it's exciting to be able to do that again yeah thank you is is there anything that any anything that you think we we should look for in the play or questions that you think uh, might be helpful to you going to the theater with 
I almost don't don't want people to come in with with anything really I I would just like you to to come and watch the play and and meet the characters and see for yourself yeah yeah I yeah I was gonna say like all the stuff we've been saying about like different interpretations and different slants on things I think oh now I feel bad because Hannah's been like think whatever you like and I'm like no this is exactly what you should think (laughs) what should they think they should think no I I think that what makes the play really interesting is how messy it is like how messy the characters are um and and that that there aren't right answers no matter how much the characters would like there to be right answers and I think this is something that's quite exciting about being like yeah we're 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 queering this story is that we are kind of making it a lot making it messier there there aren't really there aren't really clear-cut versions of Greek myths that you can put into contemporary society I don't think there's always questions about um is this right? Sorry, I feel like I'm saying this really badly. What am I saying? Um, I think, I think, uh, yeah, I completely understand. I think that's okay, also cool. working, working with fragments, isn't it? That yeah, is exactly. Wrong. Yeah, exactly. That like you can interpret it in thousands of different ways, and there's nothing to say that any one of those interpretations is right or wrong. And I think that for people to hold on to a bit of that as they watch the play, that's what I'd really like for people to think about okay so I think this about this moment what if I turn that on its head and think about it in a different way nice nice thank you well um thank you so much to both of you for this really fascinating and exciting conversation and we look forward to watching the play so the play as I said at the beginning would run at the Camden People's Theatre and you can buy your ticket through the website cptheatre.co.uk um, slash production slash Andromeda and if listeners would like to get in touch with Hannah and Charlotte they both on Twitter Hannah is at um, H Green Street one and Charlotte is at Charles Vickers and you can also follow developments of the project at Torch Oxac UK slash Andromeda hashtag slash and also by looking for or typing the hashtag Andromeda Play. So if anyone would like to know more about uh, the project, the translation and fragmentary theatre on the contemporary stage, there also, as I mentioned at some point, there also will be a chapter, which um, Hannah and Astrid are working on uh, for the Greuter for publication. And yeah, that's it. Thank you so much again for joining us today.